Hello and welcome to the Practice Builders podcast. Now, this episode is going to be the last episode of series one of the Practice Builders podcast. I think it is the 61st episode. I'm going to take a little bit of a break from the podcast for for a while, but then we'll be back um, later on in the year, I think. So what I wanted to do is to make this podcast kind of like an overview of the things that I think I've done to make my running my clinic um, successful and also easier than maybe most people find running their clinics. So I've got five five points, five things to make running your clinic easy, and each one of those has like a free downloadable um, download, a free resource. Um, so there'll be the links for those will be in the show notes so that the idea, the idea of this podcast is you'll be able to listen to these, go and do the, get the downloads, and then you'll be able to put these into practice. And by doing that, that should make your clinic easier to run. And I know from speaking to a lot of clinic owners that it's the stress or not knowing quite how to do things that makes clinic life difficult, um, well, the business side of clinic life difficult. So let's get started. So number one, and this is the most vital important one, is organize your time. So people get kind of tied up on the money side of life. And money is important. We're not going to pretend it isn't. But time is more important. You know, we all have the same 24 hours a day, but you can't make more time. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. So how you spend your time is super, super important. So the download for this is the Make the Most of Your Time workbook, which will be in the show notes. But organizing it is really vital. So by this I mean, and I think most of us do this naturally, is to have set clinic hours. So you know when you're in clinic. Um, it means you know patients know when you're in clinic, when reception knows when you're in clinic. It makes, it makes a pattern. It makes it easier to build a practice that way. But also, and this is something I think not many people do, schedule time out of clinic to do clinic stuff. So I think that that feels almost alien to a lot of us that, you know, we don't want to be out of clinic in a time when we could be seeing patients because we must always be seeing patients. But I think it's really important to schedule time so that we can do the running of the clinic. Because if we don't do that, that's when we start taking that home or try to squeeze it into far too short amount of time. And then that's when you lose that work-life balance and everything gets stressful. So make sure you take some time so for me and this doesn't have to be tons of time but for me that means when I'm in clinic I have an hour and a half for lunch now that's because not because I spend an hour and a half doing nothing but it means it gives me 20 minutes half an hour to eat lunch and wind down a little bit and then an hour to go and do the admin tasks all the things that I need to do in clinic so it's important to try and make put that time in and equally time things like time to catch up so not that you need to have breaks between every three patients or something like that, but if you're doing like a long, long morning shift or a long afternoon shift, you might want to put 15 minutes in so you can have something to eat. Anyone who knows me that knows that if I don't eat, then I get really, really ratty and not very nice to be around and my brain doesn't work well. So I always make sure that I have scheduled eating time so that I, you know, I stay good for treating my patients. I'm in the best place possible for treating patients. And this can also mean things about thinking about how you spend your time. So if you were to think of your time as a currency, how would you spend it? And then that can make you quite discerning. So you may say, actually, I don't want to go and do this thing on a Friday night with my friends because I just don't really want to do it. And I'm saying yes, because I feel I should. 
But by saying no, that gives you that time back to do something else, even if that's just watch Netflix or go to bed early or perhaps go and spend some time with friends or family that you want to spend time with. Learning to say no and guarding your time is super, super important. And this helps if you have a goal or an end thing that you want to get done. You know, if you want to... I don't know, get your clinic to a certain number of patients a week, if you have a fitness goal you want to achieve, if you have that in mind, when you say no to something, it makes it easier to say no. So guarding your time and organizing your time is really important to make your clinic run well. And that's not just all that time to be dedicated to clinic, that can be dedicated to your, you know, to exercise, to fun, to family, to chilling out, all that kind of thing. But if you don't organize your time, that makes life an awful lot harder. Number two, be on top of your finances. If you've listened to any of my podcasts or has been in my Facebook group, you'll know that I am really hot on the finance side of running clinic. And I don't think many people are enough. You should know your magic number. And that is not how many patients you see. That is not how the lifetime value of a patient. That is how much it costs to run your clinic every month. And with prices changing as you are, you should be checking that monthly. If you don't know that, if you can't say that out loud, either out loud or in your head, then you need to go and work it out. Because if you don't know that, then how many patients you see is actually not the most important metric. Because, you know, you could be seeing 100 patients a week, but you might need 110 to keep your clinic afloat. Or you could be seeing 50 a week and only need 10 to keep your clinic afloat. So that's why the almost constant how many patients you see isn't the number really we should be asking. It should be how many patients do you see more than what you need to keep your clinic running? And I think maybe that's an, a thing to think about. So if you're not good at the finance side, then I have the clinic's magic number download. That'll be on the show notes. So go through and work it out and make sure you check it regularly. Because if you don't know this, you don't know whether you can, you don't know how much you can pay yourself. You don't know how much time you can take out of clinic for holiday. You don't know if you can buy that fancy new piece of kit that you've got your eye on, if you can redecorate your rooms, if you can go on that training course. If you don't know your bottom line, your profit and loss, you don't know anything about your business. And that's something that we don't, aren't often taught when we're learning to be a chiropractor. You know, the business side is not taught so much, but you must know your bottom line. So if you only do one thing from listening to this podcast a day, go and find out how much it costs to run your clinic and work out what your profit and loss is, so whether you're making money or losing money, and then you'll know how much money you have to play with. Then that you can go on to more complex things like implementing something like profit first, so that you are um, saving money in your business and you're also paying yourself, you know, a profit, salary and bonuses and things like that. But first things first, how much does it cost to run your clinic? And if you don't know that, then go and do the download and, and find it out. Good. Number three, think about your brand. Again, we don't often think of ourselves as a brand, but we are. If you are a loan practitioner or if you are a clinic director, then you will be the face of your brand most likely. Um, so that means that you need to get used to having your face on websites, people to recognizing you as the clinic image. And brand has two parts to it. So it has identity. So that's how we recognize for clinics. So colors, logo, fonts, things like that. And then you have image. And image is the, the clinic's personality. So it would it'd be how your patients feel when they walk into your clinic. It would be how they would describe your clinic to someone else. So for instance, my clinic, um, Total Health West Barks, is in a grade two listed building. It is um, decorated in a very different way to a normal clinic. It's, in a, it's a shabby chic 
boutique hotel type style gold frames I literally have a stag's head on the wall in reception now that would not work for the majority of clinics but in the setting that I'm in that works and it means that when people come in they feel relaxed they think it looks lovely and they they feel instantly more calm and then we all know you know better patient environment better patient outcomes that's part of the reason for it now i am not suggesting for a moment that everyone go and nail a stag's head to their reception wall you work with the building you have and with what suits <clears throat> your brand so it may be that your clinic is by the sea and it and you're a surfer so maybe you're gonna and a lot of people you treat are love sort of the sea and that coastal walk type thing so maybe you're gonna have lots of that kind of thing in your clinic or you may be in the center of a really big city and so your clinic's gonna have more of a funky vibe because that's the kind of track you, customer you attract. But the reason that brand is important is that people will go to things that they like. It helps you attract your ideal patient. Obviously, there's other things like what you say on your website, the things that you treat, but don't underestimate the importance of your brand and your surroundings. So there is a brand tick list, so grab that and have a look and go through it. Also, it helps focus everyone in the clinic, so your clinic team, so this might be your practice manager, your receptionist, your associates if you have them, that you're all in the common goal. So for instance, if you are a kind of chiropractor or kind of osteopath or what have you, who just wants to get people out of pain, you're gonna see them two or three times. As soon as their pain drops below five out of 10 or four out of 10, then that's it, you're done. You're gonna refer them on to someone else. If you have another person in your team who loves long care, they wanna see them for six, 10 visits, maybe treat them for their life if that's what they need, obviously in a totally ethical way, that's going to be a brand mismatch and that may not work so well. So you need to make sure that everyone on your team is facing in the same direction and heading in the same direction. And having a strong brand identity, brand image really helps. So more about that in the brand um, checklist. So have a look at that. Number four is to be on top of your basic marketing. You will have heard me talk before about the three essentials. Website, um, newsletter of sending out newsletters and Google reviews. These are the three things every single clinic should be doing as a matter of course to build their patient base and get patients coming in. Yes, there's Google ads. Yes, there's Facebook ads. Yes, there's all sorts of fancy marketing you can do. You can put adverts in newsletter in other people's magazines. You can do radio ads or whatever. You can do many, many things. But the basics of website, sending newsletters and Google reviews are the most vital in my, my opinion. Mostly because they are generally low cost generally easy to implement and they have the most kind of bang for their buck so if we take those in turn websites it is so important you have a good website like i you know if you're going to spend money in one place spend it on your website and unless you're really really good at making websites don't just think you can knock one up quickly on wix or squarespace or something i would pay someone to do it um, or make a start and then get someone to make it make it work well you know, for, for Google rankings, it needs to be speedy, it needs to be secure, that it needs to be mobile friendly. There's many things that Google look for to make it rank well. And then we need to think about ease of usability. So often we get obsessed with ranking and getting Google to like us, but really we want to make it sure it's easy for patients to use. So we want to make sure that they can, you know, find out who we are, that there's pictures of us on there, how much our prices are, what kind of thing we treat, um, where we're located, our opening hours and having an online booking or contact forms, all that kind of thing 
is really important to get done. So that, and then sending newsletters out. So I send mine every fortnight. I just do say top five tips on how to avoid gardening injuries or this is how you set up your desk. I might suggest local events that are going on in the area, talk about supplements, that kind of thing. People are wary of doing newsletters because they think it sounds salesy. None of this is selling. This is just giving good, high-quality advice, advice that you would give in your treatment room, but slightly more generalized. And the reason we do it is it um, keeps people at top, top of mind. If I'm in turning up in their inbox every two weeks and they read the email, even if they don't read the email and they delete it straight away, they still see me. So they remember me so that when they have a problem, they're going to come back to me. And also, if in that newsletter I'm talking about things that they didn't have treatment for, so they came in for back pain and I'm talking about headaches, they now know that I treat headaches. And because they know I'm good, because I've treated them and they liked me and they got well, they got better and they were happy with the treatment, they're more likely to then recommend me to someone who said they had headaches. If they don't know I treat headaches, they can't refer me, recommend to me, if that makes sense. And, you know, I had a patient who I haven't seen for probably six years and she came in last week and she opens every single one of my newsletters. And even when she hadn't been in for years, she changed her email address and emailed me and asked me to change it so she could continue getting my newsletters. And that's, you know, sending a newsletter cost takes like 20 minutes, if that. And, you know, unless you have a massive, a massive patient list, it costs nothing. A lot of the plans are free. You put it through something like MailChimp or I use MailerLite. And that, you know, that puts, makes it all GDPR compliant. It makes it very easy to do. So I would really highly suggest you do that and have a look at the free essentials download and that will get, take you through some more of that process. And then finally, Google reviews. Google reviews are um, social proof of your brilliance. So people can go, when they're searching for a chiropractor or physio and osteo, they can go onto Google, search whatever in the area. And if you come up and you've got like, five reviews, 50 reviews, 100 reviews, saying how brilliant you are, then people go, oh, because it's not you saying you're good, it's other people being so happy with you, they're willing publicly to say that you are that good. So they're so important to collect. Now, there's different ways of collecting them. I cannot ask for a Google review from someone. It's embarrassing. Both me and the patient want to, you know, it's like tumbleweed going through the room. It doesn't work, I can't do it. I've tried so many different ways, it's just not for me. Um, Jane emails them now, you know, it was a Jane uh, practice manager software system, email them through, um, or our practice manager sends them an email out to, to ask for review, and they do come in. So it's really important you have a system, and I think with all these things is to get a system going so that you know on the third Tuesday of the month it's Google Review Day, or on the second Friday of the month it's time to do a newsletter, so that you know like clockwork that this is what you have to do. And then finally... And this goes a little bit to do time and things like that. But if you have a clinic, you don't want to find that you have suddenly made yourself your own boss and you hate working for yourself. You want to make it easy to run. Part of that comes down to the time factor we talked earlier. But part of it also is learning how to delegate and to step back. This doesn't always come easy to us. It can be really, really hard to do it. So try and... um, Try and learn that you can leave your reception team alone. Try and instill trust through um, letting them take things on by themselves or by having a very good written protocol of how to deal with things. And 
and try and make sure that you you know yourself that you cannot answer emails after a certain time. One of my coaching um, people, one of the clinics I coached last week, was saying that you know they've they've started running Facebook ads and they're finding that they're getting messages for eight o'clock in the evening and they're replying to them. You don't need to reply outside business hours. You know that's okay. It's okay to set your boundaries for your time. You don't need to be available to every single therapist who works in your clinic at any time at all. That's you know that's not you know unless it's an emergency. If you have an associate and you mentor them, it's absolutely acceptable to set boundaries as to when they can contact you, unless there's an absolute life or death emergency, obviously. And it's time it's fine to take away, time away from clinic and not check in on your holiday. That is also okay. Also okay and allowed is what I was trying to say. <clears throat> so. Um, I said download the um, uh, the hands-free clinic and I think you'll find that will help you if you struggle with that and I know many of us do and it took me a long time you know I sound like this is so easy it took me a long time to learn to step back and not call every day on my holiday to make sure everything was okay me and Sharon my clinic manager have a running joke that you know when I go on holiday she goes um, if, a, if a clinic burns down I'll phone you and she's like actually no I won't because there's nothing you can do so I wouldn't bother bothering you on holiday you might as well enjoy the rest of your holiday and essentially unless something dreadful happens that you need to action straight away there is no reason why you should be told about anything while you're on holiday so we often have a list of things you can contact me if but everything else leave it to when I get back because if you don't have a proper break you're going to burn out you know if you're in clinic and you're seeing a lot of patients and um, that lot doesn't need to be hundreds it can just be whatever a lot is for you and then you're also running a business and you also have a family and a social life if you don't have downtime then you'll get tired ratty fed up and you won't want to do it anymore and that dream of having a clinic that you wanted will suddenly no longer be a dream and then that's what makes us miserable and wants us to stop and no one wants that you know it's having a clinic you know being a therapist whether you're an osteo chiro physio podiatrist whatever you're doing it can be a brilliant job but only if you kind of control it and not let it control you and hopefully the five things I've gone through today will help you get that control and then that makes life so much easier and so much more enjoyable and so much better anyway um that's it for this podcast as I said I'm taking a break now but I'll be back with season two at some point later this year and um if you're not joined already then do join the Facebook group um I do an ask me anything at 1 30 every Thursday you can put questions into the group or of course you can follow me on um uh, Facebook or Instagram I'm at Rosie Piercy DC so bye-bye for now and I'll be back later bye-bye